Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You coming to bed, hon? Yep. Honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow. 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 Ah. Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. It's episode number 299, and we're continuing right along with our Week 9 content. And today's episode is our full Bears-Bills preview, in which we're going to take a deep dive into what to pay attention to and expect on both sides of the ball. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and for today's game preview, I'm joined by my fellow Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. Guys, fresh off another audio mailbag episode, how goes it? And happy November. Happy No Shave November, indeed. I got started a week early. Uh, it's kind of annoying me already. But overall, uh, so far so good for the month of November. Good day one, uh, aside from being a little under the weather with a stuffy nose. But uh, hopefully it doesn't affect how I speak tonight. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, I'm excited to find out. But uh, how about you, Nick? Uh, the Bears are sitting first place in the NFC North uh, here in November. And I can't remember the last time I've ever said those words. I wonder when the last time was that we could have said those was probably when the last time we went to the playoffs, which I won't allude to how long that go that it has been, but it's too been a while, long. but so it's too long for sure. But yeah, it's November times flying holidays are going to come here sooner than we think. And yeah, it's been a busy, even though it was the first day of November, super busy at work today. So I'm glad we're talking bears football to kind of get my mind off things. Absolutely. And the important question is, are you going to shave this November? I think I have to. It gets pretty grisly looking and kind of I just have to. I have to shave. It won't look good if I don't. Yep. All right, Diva. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, brothers, today we're going to begin our preview by taking a look at the Bears' offense that will be going up against a, Bear, a Bills defense that should not be taken lightly. In fact, Buffalo's defense has allowed only one touchdown in its last 10 quarters at home. And one of the first things that really struck me when I was looking at this Bills defense is that they're just outside the top five in terms of passing yards allowed per game. Buffalo's only allowing 220 passing yards per week, and despite that, they're still seeing the 11th most attempts this season. Additionally, they don't give up too many big plays as they're near the bottom quarter of the league in terms of passes of 20-plus completed against them. Only 22, and they've only allowed one pass of 40-plus all year long, and only four teams in the entire NFL have allowed one or fewer of those. Now, Buffalo, they force opponents to throw it short, and that's evident by the 6.3 yards per attempt allowed, which is the third lowest in the entire NFL. So my first question of the evening is going to be, what are you expecting out of Coach Nagy in terms of attacking this defense through the air? Do you see him kind of working underneath or potentially testing the secondary? Let's go to Brandon first. I think he'll try and test them deep. I think it's a way to kind of keep modest and open things up underneath. Uh, but really, it's going to come down to how well does he scheme uh Scheme blocking protections for the offensive line because they do have uh, 21 sacks in the year, which is one more than the Bears, unfortunately. Uh, more than the Bears defense, that is. Uh, but I think it's really going to come down to how well does Trubisky uh, adapt to pressure because I think that's one of the reasons why we don't see very many uh, plays downfield for this uh, Bills defense. What about you, Nick? If you had to put on your, you know, your naggy visor there, how would you anticipate or how would you attack this defense? You know, I think that opposing teams have had success on this Bills defense is by using the short game, that quick game that has actually hurt the Bears, uh, ironically, the Bears defense as well, just kind of getting the ball out quick and just getting the ball into your playmaker's hands. Just going back and watching that Patriots game, I know they didn't score or do much really offensively for the first three quarters, but they really opened it up in the fourth quarter. But even in those first three quarters, the Patriots are able to move the ball by getting the ball out quick, and that's something that we've seen in Soldier Field with Tom Brady and that Patriots offense been able to do. And I think the Bears can definitely replicate that. And that's exactly how you take away that pass rush. It's almost like a similar type of game plan. We've seen teams do this to the Bears to mitigate their pass rush. And I think that's what the Bears can do to, you know, stop this Bills pass rush that has been pretty successful. The one good spot I'd probably say about this Bills team is that defense and how they're applying pressure on the quarterback. So if you get the ball out quick, that's definitely a way that you can take that out of the equation. Yeah, I would tend to agree because... You know, even though Buffalo's defense, uh, they're really good at wrapping up ball carriers. I know their secondary does not allow a lot of yards after the catch. They're very, uh, they're tight with their coverage, and they don't allow receivers to make many plays with the ball in their hands. And even though I say that, I do look at the Bears playmakers as talented as a talented group, and I do anticipate them, like a Taylor Gabriel, to find ways to make plays after the catch on some of these short hitches, these slants, these quick outs. Uh, so yeah, I would do the same exact thing, but with that touchdown, the checkdown mentality here in Chicago, I wouldn't be surprised if you still see. Uh, you know, a handful of balls go deep and try to test them, you know, over the top. All right, looking at some of the specific players this week, uh, we may still be without Allen Robinson, who's still nursing a groin injury, and it's most likely going to be up to guys like Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, Tariq Cohen, and Anthony Miller, all of which are coming off some solid performances against the Jets. And when looking at Buffalo's secondary, I think one of our main concerns should be their nickel corner, uh, Turin Johnson. He's been one of their most effective guys in coverage this season. And even though he's been the most targeted corner on the team, he does a really good job of limiting like the rest of his defense, honestly, though, plays after the catch. And whoever lines up from him on any given play, they're going to have their hands full. But what about you guys? When looking at some of these battles, which ones are catching your eye uh, for either better or worse? Let's go to Nick here first. 
I think a guy that's uh, it's going to be a good matchup is just Tredavious White, and I think Taylor Gabriel might be that guy if Allen Robinson's not able to give it a go this week. He's a good corner for him, first-round pick. He's a guy that has been making plays for his Bills defense and someone that you've seen opposing teams kind of stray away from at times. I know last year he had a really good season. I think it was around five interceptions, if I'm correct. But Tredavious White, a guy that – um, you know, Trubisky, if he's not on target, he can definitely, you know, make you pay for that. So looking at that matchup between Taylor Gabriel, who, um, you know, in, in the last game and even against the Patriots really didn't get uh, going too much. So look for this game for maybe Trubisky to try to get him back into, you know, getting that deep ball. Because, again, we said that Trubisky and Matt Nagy are probably going to want to utilize this. This keeps the defense honest when you're able to do that. So Tredavious White, Taylor Gabriel is the matchup that I'm going to be looking forward to. What about you, B? I know we spread the ball around very well here on offense, so plenty of guys to discuss. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'll be looking at Jordan Pointer as one of their uh, safeties. He leads the team with two interceptions this year, and the the Bills defense as a whole, they have five uh, interceptions on the year. But uh, oddly enough, the rest of these guys that have interceptions are linebackers. Lorenzo Alexander has one. Matt Milano has one. Uh, Taron Johnson, you just talked about, he's a nickel corner, so he's got one as well. Uh, so don't overlook these uh, linebackers as well, especially in passing situations, because Tremaine Edmonds is a guy who also, he could have had an interception against Tom Brady if he timed his jump right uh, earlier in that game. So don't overlook any of these linebackers really in coverage either. They all do a very good job of uh, being athletic, and like you said, really sticking to their receivers and tight ends, whoever they have to uh, defend downfield. They do a very good job of not allowing many uh, yards after the catch. Yeah, and you talked about Edmonds, and we're still unsure if he's actually going to go ahead and play this week because he's still currently in concussion protocol. And that's why I'm looking right at Trey Burton over the middle of the field, especially if they do have that backup linebacker in the game. Um, They could put a linebacker on him, but another player on this Bills uh, defense that I anticipate uh, drawing Burton coverage is going to go ahead and be former Packer Micah Hyde on the back end of this defense. Um, and on top of that, you know, he's looking at Hyde. I mean, Hyde, geez. Looking at Trey Burton. He's third on the team receptions and receiving touchdowns. And the Bills looking at that defense. They're in a lot of zone. And what I've noticed from Burton this year is that he has a really good feel for finding the soft spot in zones, especially over the middle of the field, turning around, presenting himself to Trubisky. So even though Buffalo's done a good job at limiting wideouts this year, um, it doesn't mean also like guys like Taylor Gabriel can't catch something underneath, make a guy miss, gain some yak. You know, there was a great example against the Jets. I can't remember the exact play where Gabriel just did just that. Same thing with Trey Burton over the middle of the field when he can catch one, uh, turn up field and gain an extra seven to eight yards after the catch. So for me, I'm looking at Trey Burton, a really big target uh, without Allen Robinson, the biggest target that Trubisky's going to have. So look for him to get targeted early and often. And I'm pretty sure he had three straight games that he scored a touchdown before last week. So Trey Burton getting back in the end zone this week would, uh, of course, be great for uh, his momentum heading into divisional play after Buffalo. All right, guys, let's go ahead and take a look at our quarterback, uh, Mr. Trubisky. And despite the national narrative today, uh, he's really growing up before our very eyes. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch unfold throughout the season. He's the only Bears quarterback since 1960 to have four consecutive games with 200 yards passing or more, two-plus touchdowns uh, passing, and at least 40 rushing yards. And prior to this year, uh, Bears quarterbacks had just seven games like this since 1960, and he has four in a row right now, which is Really incredible. And as we mentioned, he's going to be tested this week against Buffalo. Last week, they held Tom Brady scoreless and only to 6.6 yards per pass on 45 attempts. Now, we already talked about some of his weapons and what they need to do and who we're looking at through the air. But looking solely at Mitch, uh, Brandon, I'll go to you first here. What are some of those keys towards number 10 success against the Buffalo defense? And that's going to be things that are in his control. 
uh, I think it's going to be a lot of mechanical things. Uh, since we talked about earlier how the, the Buffalo Bills bring a lot of pressure, uh, they have 21 sacks on the year. He's going to have to, to keep uh, his mechanics in good uh excuse me, in good condition, I guess is the word that I'm trying to say, uh, because when he plants his feet, uh, steps up in the pocket, makes a nice throw, that's when he throws the most accurate. And if they're going to want to try and test it downfield, he's going to have to be able to do that. But he's going to have to watch for guys coming off the edge like Lorenzo Alexander, uh, Jerry Hughes, and Kyle Williams because they those three lead the team in sacks, and they all come off the edge. Uh, so it's really going to have to be uh, important that he keeps – he doesn't get the happy feet uh, is basically what I've been trying to say for this whole thing. Uh, really mechanics, footwork, things of that nature – uh, I don't know necessarily that he's going to be nervous and have a shorter um, internal clock as far as when the sack's going to get there. It's something that we're going to have to watch early because if he gets happy feet early, he's going to have to really calm himself down uh, to be able to have a decent game, I think, against this Bills defense. This is not a matchup that Mitch should take lightly. What about you, Nick? What do you see being one of the more crucial elements to Trubisky's success against Buffalo? I think it's just diagnosing the blitz because I think the Buffalo Bills are going to want to do that, try to speed up, like Brandon was saying, his internal clock, but knowing where to actually throw the football and go, just checking down where your hot read is at, just, again, seeing where the blitz is actually coming from, that's all going to be huge in this game because one slip-up is all it kind of takes to change momentum in a game like this where the Bills are essentially have no type of offense. They're going to look for their defense to carry them, and if they can make a big play defensively, force a uh, force a, a fumble or just get a pick six, something like that, that's what they're going to be going for. And speeding up Mitch's clock is going to be uh, more susceptible to making some of those uh, bonehead plays, I guess you can call it. So that's going to be crucial for Mitch, just taking care of the football, making the right decisions, knowing where his players are at at all times. And again, that goes to Matt Nagy drawing up a perfect scheme. You saw what happened with the Jets when they brought the blitz. It was a 70-yard touchdown to Tariq Cohen. So it's going to be Matt Nagy and also Trubisky, but it's just going to, it's all going to fall on him whether or not he makes the right decisions and then just is able to get the ball to his playmakers. All right, good stuff there, guys. And, of course, we all know that the vital element of the offensive success is going to be how Harry he stands guys play up front. Uh, this is true for both the rushing attack and Mitch's fate. Looking at the Bills' pass rush, they do have 21 sacks, and they do have a by-committee type of group, and they do yield about roughly 19 pressures per game. And the Bears' offensive line, looking at them, they've actually given up the third-fewest pressures this season with an average of only seven per game allowed. So a really big battle up front here for the Bears. Um, so, Brandon, Mr. Trenches, over to you. What are some of these matchups in the trenches that, as Bears fans, we need to look for and why? I'm looking at both the edges here. Uh, Bobby Massey and Charles Leno up against Jerry Hughes, Kyle Williams, uh, and Lorenzo Alexander, because those are the top three guys uh, that lead the team in sacks for the Bills. Uh, Jerry Hughes has four and a half, Lorenzo Alexander has four and a half, and Kyle Williams has three and a half. And we could even throw Trent Murphy in there. He's not on the edge, I don't think. I got to check that uh, again, but he's got three as well. So those are all uh, guys that I'm really looking out for. So it's really uh, going to be important for Charles Leno and Bobby Massey, who especially Massey, because we haven't heard a whole lot of his name, which is a really good thing this year uh, for him, considering we used to have a segment of, you know, who's he going up against? So uh, it, I think it's going to be key, and I'm not really too worried about either of these matchups, but a lot of the pressure I think is going to come from the edge of this one. So we got to watch the tackles against Jerry Hughes and Lorenzo Alexander in this one. Yeah, uh, Trent Murphy, at least luckily for us, he is still injured. He hasn't practiced yet this week, so yeah. we're unsure exactly of his status heading into Sunday's game. But for me, uh, you mentioned one that I'm really paying attention to, and that's going to be Alexander. He's 35 years old, but he's having the best season of his entire career. And when you're watching him, uh, he doesn't have a lot of speed. You know, At age 35, he's not the most athletic edge rusher, um, but he's like that grinder. He's using his strength, using that power to walk offensive linemen back. 
And that's what, at least, even though he's having some good numbers this year, I feel thankful that he's that kind of rusher because Bobby Massey, his number one Achilles heel, is speed rushers. But when you have a guy who's, you know, strength versus strength, well, Bobby Massey is one of the stronger right tackles in the entire league. So for me, even though it's a matchup that I'm paying attention to, I would be more worried if he was getting his productivity uh, just due to being a speed rusher. But yeah, look at Alexander. Uh, he had six tackles, two sacks, and one forced fumble against New England. So obviously, he can change the course of any drive, any game. But what about you, Nick? Do you have any battles up front that you're paying attention to? Yeah, a guy that really stands out to me on film is Kyle Williams, number 95, that defensive tackle. Against the Patriots, this is a guy that was just creating penetration, lines up both on the... It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis, and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, he'll line up on multiple sides of the defensive line. I saw him even drop back in coverage. This is a big man dropping into coverage, but the Bills like to utilize him in a bunch of different ways. There was a nice stunt that the DN ran with him. He comes down on the outside. Brady barely gets the ball off, but gets plastered afterwards. So Kyle Williams is a guy who was making plays, like I said, throughout the entire night in that Monday night uh, loss against the Patriots. So that's a guy with, again, James Daniels is going to be starting in the second game. That's going to be a matchup I'm also just going to be watching for throughout the night. He's a guy that is able to use his strength, his speed, his, has good hands, able to get offensive linemen off of him. So Kyle Williams is a guy that Bears fans should definitely be aware of. He doesn't have, like you said, the most sacks on this team, three and a half, but he's a captain for a reason, and he really plays you know, his heart on every single play. So watch number 95 on Sunday. Yeah, I think that matchup against you know James Daniels, who is only going to be making his second career start in a – Buffalo Bills, you know, their stadium is one of the more rougher environments in the entire league as well. So for me, uh, the entire offensive line is going to have to play very disappointed in this game to not let that crowd noise really affect them. But just moving right along to the backfield, Jordan Howard, he finally got going, well, maybe to the best degree that we've seen so far this season last week against the Jets with his uh, 80 yards on the ground. Tariq Cohen, he continues to be effective with his touches. And Mitch, he's still making plays with his legs each and every week. Buffalo, they've given up 4.1 yards per carry, which is ninth in the NFL, and over 106 yards per game on the ground, which is about average. It's ranked 15th. Uh, just like they are against the pass, Buffalo's defense, they're no slouch when it comes to stopping the run. Uh, like Nick said, uh, this defense is obviously the strength of this team. Um, so going over to Nick first, I want to know, what are your expectations for the Bears rushing attack this week? Does Jordan Howard potentially take another step? Does he regress? Uh, does Mitch run wild again? What do you anticipate happening? So, I mean, last week when I anticipated the Bears ground game wouldn't do anything against the Jets, they were actually able to get going. Um, I Hopefully, maybe that happens this week, but I think the Bears are going to want to build off that game. And the blocking was just a lot better against the Jets last week, and I know they're facing another good opponent at stopping the run, but James Daniels got his first career start. The Bears running rushing game gets going. I don't know if that's coincidence <laughs> or not. So, you know, maybe the second career start, obviously not having Kyle Long is going to affect things. But I could see the Bears actually establishing some type of run because, again, this might be a game where it kind of gets out of hand at, in the beginning. So you're going to want to rely on the run game, come closer, you know, as the time progresses. 
So I could see the Bears wanting to establish the run and utilize Howard throughout the game against the Bills. Yeah, because what you hear about Buffalo's defense is they're a very prideful unit, one that really wants to set the tone of the entire game. You saw that last week against New England. They really were physical up front. They're going to find a way to lay the big hit, uh, stop you on the ground. And once they do that, they feel very confident um, if they can kind of make you one-dimensional, making you have to throw more than perhaps you would like. So for the Bears, it would be very important if uh, for them to establish a run, not just for... Uh, Mitch's sake and you know time of possession, but really for uh, setting a tone, uh, being the aggressor, not the one who's being bullied on offense. So for me, um, I anticipate them sticking to the run here uh, for multiple reasons, but one of them will be setting the tone against a very uh, ferocious Bills front seven. What about you, B? Uh, what do you anticipate from the Bears ground game? I hope it keeps going. I like to see the, the rhythm that Jordan Howard got uh, keep going, keep that momentum going. Uh, and I just talked about how important it is to establish run for various reasons. I'll add another one too, is because it can help us set up those chances downfield that the bills typically don't give up. But if you can draw defense in a little bit, that's going to allow guys, our speed guys, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, even Tariq Cohen uh, to get downfield and get some separation from these guys. Cause you, you run, run, run enough. Uh, they're going to try and cheat a little bit. That's when you burn them. So, I think that establishing it early, keeping that rhythm uh, that Jordan Howard has going, even if uh, it's RPOs and Mitch is keeping it, uh, it, it keeps the defense honest. Uh, they have to be able to play up a little bit, and then that's when you can burn them deep. So establishing the run is important for a lot of reasons, and I think that uh, as good as this Bills defense is, this is their, their weakness per se. All right. Now, I'm curious, Brandon, what do you consider being the biggest challenge for the Bears offense this week? Probably third down. Uh, I know Mitch has a pretty good success rate on third down, but on the road uh, in Buffalo, it's a it's a tough environment. Uh, I think Nagy addressed that in his press conference today uh, or yesterday. I forget when he addressed it, but I've seen it somewhere. Uh, so I think it's really going to be uh, staying disciplined, especially on third down. Uh, can't have those false starts. Have to be able to, to really just execute on that down. I think that's going to be very, very important as it is with every game. But I think third down is just going to be especially more vital because the Bills' defense is is tough, and if we can keep them on the field, uh, then that's going to create more chances for the offense naturally. What about you, Nick? Out of all the things Buffalo presents, what's going to be the biggest challenge for the Bears' offense? You know, it's not even what Buffalo does. I think it's with the Bears not taking advantage of their opportunities. We've seen Mitch Trubisky miss a lot of you know, wide open plays. And so I think the biggest thing for the bears is taking advantage of those and putting a team away early. So I think Matt Nagy's done a great thing all season, just scheming guys open. So it's not even something that the Buffalo bills defense presents. It's more so capitalizing on how people are going to be open. So taking advantage of that, I think it's going to be the biggest uh, challenge for this bears offense, because we have yet to actually see that there's been glimpses, maybe plays not other than the Tampa Bay game. We haven't seen that be the consistent, I guess, basis for throughout an entire game. So I want to see the Bears actually take advantage of, you know, those wide open players that are going to be running downfield, exploit this Bills defense that has been pretty good against a deep pass, uh, maybe against the blitz as well. So it's more so on the Bears part. That's what that's what this game's really going to come down to. It, it's going to be if the Bears beat themselves rather than the Bills beating them. And I think this is a perfect way to maybe Cut down that narrative. The Bears can just take advantage of the opportunities presented to them. That's going to be huge for them winning this game. Absolutely. I have three challenges that I'm looking at so far this week. Uh, number one, overcome that hostile environment. Uh, you just know Buffalo, they bring it. They bring the noise. They bring the rowdiness. Tables. They bring tables. Uh, Mitch wants tables, <laughs> or he didn't yeah. say that. He took it back, but he wants tables. Uh, so remember that for divisional games coming up here, guys. But 
Uh, other than that, overcoming Kyle Long's injury, not just what he's you know leaving in, in terms of his talent, but also his leadership, his aggressiveness, his mentality out there, uh, finding a way to overcome that. And then lastly, protecting the ball, really hold on to it because the Bills, they force the most fumbles in the entire NFL with 14, which is almost uh, two per game for them so far this year. So finding a way to protect that ball um, is going to be a big challenge because Nick, like you said, with Buffalo's offense, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes, with just how bad they are, you better believe that defense is going to try to take matters in their own hands to win this game because that's what they've been having to do all season long. And with a guy like Nathan Peterman starting, you know they're going to want to try to find ways to get on the scoreboard, give their offense some short fields to work with because they're not mounting any drives themselves. But we'll talk about that in a minute. But I still think that uh, just being very careful with the ball and holding on tight because they have a really good knack of forcing fumbles. All right, guys, there's anything else in your notes? And Nick, I'll go to you first. Yeah, I think a guy that we need to be aware of or Bears fans need to be aware of is Matt Milano, the linebacker number 58. He's a guy that's just flying around all over the field and just watching that Patriots game and other games as well. He's good at diagnosing screens, just has good recognition in general. He was a former safety. The guy just flies around, and that's a guy when you're playing a defense like that, very aggressive. So he's going to make plays. So expect that come Sunday. Just hopefully the Bears can you know have uh, a counter to how he plays plays that linebacker position because he is a fast, instinctive linebacker and he's going to be all over these running backs. So it's about scheming and you know just getting a man on him because he can disrupt some plays. Absolutely. What about you, B? Uh, I find it interesting that the Bears are a 10-point favorite in this one, uh, according to Vegas. So I think it's still going to be a healthy challenge. Let's not overlook this game because uh, this Bills defense is pretty good still. We just talked about it, uh, but I th- I think it's that, that that line is interesting to me. So did you see on I, I know you've been working all day. Did you see the last time they were favored by ten uh, on the road? I did not. Uh, I the the Dennis Green game. Oh, sorry, Nick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> we are. We thought they were. It's, it's been that long. Uh, so even though it's perhaps a little peculiar, I'm not going to complain with that kind of confidence in this team. Uh, Buffalo's offense, I think, uh, is a big hand in that. But <laughs> yeah, uh, so for me, real quick, I just like to look at third down and red zone numbers. And looking at the red zone for this entire season, um, in terms of conversion rate, uh, the Bears' red zone, they're 11th in the NFL, converting on touchdowns on 64% of those trips. Uh, the Bills' defense are 7th in the NFL here, actually only allowing opponents to score touchdowns on 46% of those red zone trips, which again was perfectly evident on Monday night football against New England. And then on third down, the bears actually win in terms of being away on third down. They have the fourth best uh, conversion rate. And that is at 46.51. Whereas the bills are more actually, even though you think that hostile environment would be crucial to third down success, uh, they're still giving up about 40, uh, yeah, 40%, which is um, not the best home. It's about maybe a bottom quarter. I don't have the exact number here in front of me, but it's not great. So even though I'm fearing the environment, I think that third down can still be an area where the Bears succeed this week. Uh, so guys, I want to know who's going to be your X factors coming into the game on offense. And Nick, I know you're thinking, so I'll let you th- pause for a <laughs> moment. Brandon, how about you go first? I want to say Tariq Cohen, because uh, I found this a really interesting trend. Uh this year, when he has more touches running the ball than receiving, uh, the Bears are four and one this year. So I don't know if that's a coincidence, coincidence or not. Uh, but I thought it's an interesting trend. So we'll have to pay attention to how he gets utilized in this game because that could translate to a win. Nice. My X Factor is another running back, and his name is uh, Jordan Howard. I think heavy doses are going to do a lot of good things for this offense, like we mentioned. 
um, in this hostile environment. It'll do a, it'll go a long way in terms of taking away the energy of the crowd in the process. Keep the ball in our hands uh, for longer scoring drives. Wear down that defense, uh, which is going to be very pivotal, and just open things over the top. And Jordan Howard, I mean Coach Nagy, he promised to get him going last week as he's heard in the mic'd up. So perhaps this might be the week where they really stick to Jordan Howard. Um, but what about you, Nick? If you had to choose an X factor. Man, I, I didn't write one down like I told you, Will, but just through our conversation, I'm going to go with James Daniels, actually, because, look, Kyle Long is out. Someone has to step up. A lot of their pressure can come from the edge for the Bills, can come from the edge. Interior, Kyle Williams is the guy in matchup that I've talked about. And for Mitch to have a good good game, you don't want to have that pressure, especially come up the middle. And James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, Eric Cush is going to be responsible for keeping Trubisky clean. So I think James Daniels is an X factor. If he can play, you know, a better game than he did last week. He's just able to stay on his blocks. And then also in the running game, generate holes for Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard, your guys' X-Factors. That's going to play a big part in how the Bears win this game, are able to sustain the lead and just run out the clock when they hopefully get the lead later in the game. So I'm going to go with James Daniels as my X-Factor. I think it's the first time ever chosen an offensive lineman as an X-Factor. So I think Brandon should be proud of me. I, I think so, too. <laughs> I am. Confirmed. <laughs> All right, guys, time to find out who has the edge. And, Nick, you're going to be up first this week. I'm going to give you the Bears passing attack versus that Buffalo secondary. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I will – you know, I'll give it to the Bears passing attack. Um, they're, they've at times – the Bears at times have just not capitalized. But I think going into a hostile environment like Buffalo, that's going to create some challenges. But I think Mitch Trubisky is going to prove those all those people, those doubters that came out today that he can't throw, only throw screen passes, that he's capable of throwing downfield, that he can hit those wide open people, and he's going to just shut those people up. So I'm going to give it to the Bears passing attack. All right. I have the Bears ground game versus Buffalo's run defense in. Honestly, you just never know in any given week what the Bears are going to do in terms of running the ball and how often they're going to stick with it. But I would run the ball down the throat of this Buffalo Bills defense all game long. The Colts today did that really well a couple weeks back. They had over 200 yards rushing against Buffalo. And I think if you count in Trubisky, uh, I think the Bears should be able to get around 150 yards, especially if Edmonds is unable to play this week. So for me, I'm going to give the edge here to the Bears ground game, even though we don't have Kyle Long out there leading the way, which means, Brandon, it's time to go over to you, and you have the Bears pass protection versus that Buffalo pass rush. Guess what I brought this week? You brought the broom? I brought the broom. <laughs> uh, the, Bears, the Bears offensive line this year has not shown any reason why I shouldn't pick them in this matchup. Uh, despite the Bills having 21 sacks on the year, and they do it you know, by rotation of guys, there's not – Use, there's not one guy that stands out more than another. Um, I think that the the despite Kai Long being out, Eric Cush stepping in, James Daniels stepping in uh, in these respective spots, it's still going to be a very tough line to be able to get through uh, for the Buffalo Bills. So I, I have no reason to pick against the Bears' offensive line in this one. All right, good stuff. And that's going to do it for the first half of this game preview. Uh, we're going to take a quick halftime real quick. Uh, Brandon needs to blow his nose, um, perhaps drain those sinuses a little bit more for this Bears uh, you know, defensive discussion that's about to come up. Um, but real quick, before we talk about Pro Football Focus's top-ranked defense, I need to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. 
there's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears Brothers, we have the SeatGeek apps on our phones and our devices, by far the easiest way that we've been able to purchase tickets. Um, I'm personally a big fan of how easy they make searching for the best deals possible. All you have to do is sort by value, and instantly you're able to see all the tickets that you're looking for and make sure that they are the most worth it. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. With confidence. And right before the show, I was looking at the Bears' next two home games, right? You have the Lions, you have Minnesota. Two very big divisional games. Uh, the Bears, the one of their big mantras this year is protecting Soldier Field. And a big part in that is you, the fans. The fourth phase, getting out there, showing up, being loud. So I encourage you to still check out SeatGeek. There's not a ton of tickets left for these games, which is fantastic that we're going to be in the middle of November and having meaning, meaningful divisional games going on at home. So if you want to root on our Bears, definitely check out SeatGeek before uh, those. There's a few amazing deals left, so before they are no longer available. And the best part of all, that our listeners, they get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Alrighty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. We're previewing the Bears' Week 9 tilt against the 2-6 and six Buffalo Bills, and we're now setting our sights on the Bears' defense, which will be going up against, well, the worst offense in the entire league. Um, but as we know all too well, that does not mean we should get overconfident in this matchup. Chicago, they are coming off a very strong performance against the New York Jets, um, in which the defense only allowed 10 points, which is tied for the lowest amount allowed by them this year. And then the, the Bills' offense is a unit that barely reaches double-digit points per game. And they've only found Pater twice in their previous five games. And the fact that the Bills are going to have to start with Nathan Peterman um, after Derek Anderson's injury appears that this is obviously going to be an offense that the Bears should and must take good care of business against. And I know any given Sunday, but if the Bears, you know, if they struggle to stop Buffalo, I'm going to be beyond shocked. Now, sticking with Peterman, our guest on the Meet the Bills episode called him, and I quote, the human turnover machine, and that's for good reason. 11.1% of his career throws have ended up in the wrong hands. That's right, more than one out of every 10 of his passes have been intercepted. Now, this season, he's only hit 40% of his throws with one touchdown and four interceptions, and his yards per attempt is all the way down at 3.4. So really, no matter how you cut it, how you try to spin it, Nathan Peterman, he is not a good quarterback. So, Nick, I'm going to go to you first here. When it When you look at it, um, how do the Bears ensure that Peterman doesn't really decide to have a breakout, a career game this week? And how can you just take care of business against Peterman? Just let Nathan Peterman be Nathan Peterman. <laughs> I mean, I just saw him throw an interception. I'm watching film right now as we're doing this podcast. And there, I, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. We've seen what he is. And I know he's still a young player. And maybe there's t- time for him to grow. But I don't think the Bears need to do anything, you know, crazy just play their game plan let him make the plays let him make the plays the bears don't need to force anything it would be nice if the bears got some pressure on him so it just speeds up that clock so he just throws interceptions at a faster rate than he normally would but i don't think the bears need to do anything 
uh, creative. I I know last week against the Jets are bringing a lot of nickel blitzes. That's great, but you might not even have to do that. You can just play your base defense like Vic Fangio likes to do and just let Nathan Peterman make the throws, which he can't do. So this isn't a game where I see there's no way if the Bears somehow lose a Nathan Peterman, like I told Brandon on our audio mailbag podcast, that'd be the worst thing ever. You could you could potentially lose to Peterman and Osweiler in the same season. That'd be awful, but it's not going to happen. This Bears defense is far better than whatever Nathan Peterman could throw at you. I know I didn't provide, I guess, the best analysis because I just don't, I haven't seen anything from Nathan Pyramid to be wary of for this Bears defense. They're going to take care of business. No, that's fair. It's a very fair statement. Where do you stand in terms of personally, if I was going to, you know, scheme against him, I want, like you said, I want to be overly creative with my, you know, coverages and all that, but maybe I just run a lot of single high, really stack the box, take away some of these easy throwing lanes underneath. What about you? Would you do the same? Yeah, I think that's a good way of trying to, just stop stop Nathan Peterman, which I'm pretty sure no defensive coordinator is ever saying that. But that's a good way to just take away those checkdowns. Like Brandon uh, said it best when we were watching uh, that Dolphins game in Miami. Brock Osweiler was a one-read guy. If that wasn't there, that second read, who knows where that pass would go. So I think Nathan Peterman's the same, th- same way. If that first read isn't there, all right. From first down to interception. That's basically with the progression of a Nathan Peterman. So that would be a great way of trying to eliminate the easy passes than having him to make a play, which we've seen that he cannot do. What are the chances we see Mike Bar- Matt Barkley this week? He was just signed. I know, that would be pretty interesting, the Matt Barkley revenge game. <laughs> I, I would prefer yeah. not, but I mean, you yeah, never me know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> what about you, B? Anything else you want to mention about Peterman? Again, uh it's, it's very difficult to, you know, come up with these very creative ways to combat it because he's combated himself throughout his entire career. Oh, absolutely. And his career completion percentage is 45%. So if it's not an interception, it's falling to the ground. So I, I, I think the best way that you beat him is to keep him in the pocket because he's not going to run or scramble. Let him make his own decision and let it be a mistake. Uh, so I don't have any issue uh, if the pass rush isn't there this week because – I'm not saying don't send the dogs, but it's not going to be an issue because he's going to beat himself more times than that, like you guys aren't touched on. All right, sounds good. Now, moving right along to this target, Sterl Pryor, he joined this team uh, this week um, to help the receiving room, and he does have a chance to play. He's 235 yards receiving in six games with the Jets this season, are only 46 uh, yards short of the Bills' leading receiver, which is Zay Jones. Now, the running joke that I see here in Buffalo is that he is now the best uh, wide receiver and quarterback on the team. Uh, so we have that. <laughs> uh, Buffalo's wideouts, they have averaged an NFL low 93 receiving yards per game this season. And, of course, they've had some inconsistency at the quarterback position, which hurts. But there's some serious question marks about some of the talent at wideout with Zay Jones still kind of coming into his own. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, I think our guest called him one of the most lazy receivers he's ever uh, watched in Buffalo, which is, of course, a very strong statement to make from a fan of the team. Uh, so, Nick, going to you, uh, how does the, perhaps the lack of production at wideout change how the Bears' defense attacks this offense? Does it, or do you just do the same exact thing you've been doing all year? It's going to be similar to how they played the Jets because there really wasn't a, a uh, threat at receiver in that Jets game. It was a bunch of nobody's kind of running routes, and you see what happened in that Jets game. A lot of people weren't able to get o- open. Sam Darnold wasn't able to find any any open receivers, and then you lose 24-10. to 10. They shouldn't even have scored that touchdown if the Jackson penalty doesn't happen. So I think it's a similar to the same kind of game plan. You keep everything in front of you. Kelvin Benjamin is a guy that has had success in this league. And, you know, even Terrell Pryor going a couple years back. Um, 
But as long as, you know, you keep these guys in front of you, don't allow – these are big body receivers too. So they're probably going to want to use that to their advantage, but it all comes down to the quarterback putting the ball in the right spot, which we've already alluded to. That probably isn't going to happen. So that's maybe the only advantage I see for the wide receivers, but they got to get open. They're not very good at that, being bigger guys who – I mean, Terrell Pryor's on another team for a reason. They didn't make it out with the Jets, and there was nobody there. How can he not beat out anybody there? I know there's an injury, but still. And Kelvin Benjamin is not a guy that has been translating well in Buffalo. So I'm not too worried of what these receivers uh, bring in this game against Chicago Bears. Zay Jones is a guy. I think he's a pretty good route runner. That's about it. So I think the Bears just stick to their game plan. Use a lot of Bryce Callahan on the field when you have those slot receivers. But that's about it. Yeah, they don't have a lot of top end speed, which really like goes back to my you know playing a lot of eight man in the box type of defense because the only one that can I mean not the only one but the one person who I would be worried about over top would be a Kelvin Benjamin with that big body. He does have four catches of twenty plus yards this year. Um, but Brandon, over to you. Is there anyone that I'm using the word worried because that's usually kind of how I frame this every week, but. If there was someone to focus on this week, because again, they're averaging less than 93 receiving yards per game out of just receivers. And if you want to bring up anyone else, feel free. But is there any skill player that you want to really focus in on this week to just take out their best possible weapon? I think it has to be Zay Jones because, uh, sorry, can't breathe out my nose. But uh, Zay Jones, is, I mean, he's leading the team in receptions and receiving yards this year. Uh, that kind of says something to me. Uh, granted, that might be because Calvin Benjamin is lazy. Uh, but he's also a bigger body guy. He's six two. Uh, runs good routes. He's sort of sort of at least doesn't have the best top end speed, but he's a, he's a solid route runner. So that's one guy that I'm going to keep my eye on just because he leads the team in interceptions and receiving yards. Uh, but I think that they had to bring in Thrill Pryor along with Calvin Benjamin and along with Zay Jones because these guys are bigger, and that's kind of what Nathan Peterman needs to get the ball to his guys. There you go. Bigger body. Speaking of that, Charles Clay, the tight end, uh, he's someone that we should be paying attention to as well as well and. When I'm looking at someone who I would just take out of the equation would be actually both running backs uh, being receivers out of the backfield because they're actually up there, I think like fourth and fifth in terms of uh, Buffalo's receivers and 82% of their yards come after the catch this year. So they're not going to beat you with their route running. Just wrap them up, get fun, put, stick to that fundamental tackling, be in the right position to make a play and just don't let them kill you uh, You know, after a quick dump off pass. It's going to be, I bet you with an Ethan Peterman, you're going to see a lot of just quick dump offs. If he doesn't see that first read, just find his hot one um, to either flat real fast and just make sure you're in the right position to make a play, which I think the Bears should be fine. But as we saw in Miami, sometimes this defense, I mean, the week after uh, tackling has been an issue this year. So as much as we're feeling good about this matchup, there's still some, um, you know, instances where we still need to make sure that we still take care of business on defense. All right, Buffalo's offensive line this year, uh, they've been inconsistent, and they're a unit that uh, they've had their fair share of issues. Granted, uh, the entire offense has, but it seems like you know teams, they've been able to continually win at the point of attack against the Bills. Uh, this is especially true for both tackles, Deion Dawkins and former Bear Jordan Mills. Uh, they've each given up double-digit pressures and four sacks apiece this year. Um, Dawkins, he is questionable, so they might have a backup left tackle in place for Buffalo. And as a unit, uh, the Bills, they give up a sack on 11.98% of all dropbacks this year, which is 31st in the NFL. And Brandon, uh, hopefully you had some time to catch your breath because you're Mr. Trenches and you have to go first. What do you expect from the Bears' defensive front against this struggling Bills offensive line? 
especially if their left tackle doesn't play, that's going to be big uh, for Leonard Floyd, I think. Uh, spoiler alert, he'll come later in the show. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at these interior guys because I think I'm looking it up at the moment right now. Uh, Vlad Dukas is one of their offensive starting guards. He played with the Bears in 2015. Uh, so another former Bear on top of Jordan Mills. And I think that, uh, I mean, if you guys remember him playing, uh, he wasn't anything like special, but he wasn't like a, a hindrance on their, their offensive line either. So regardless, I think that's one that uh, Roy Robertson-Harrison and Eddie Goldman can take advantage of because uh, Roy Robertson-Harris had a good week last week. He had four tackles. Uh, so I think this could be a chance for him to elevate uh, yet again back to the week one, week two, uh, Roy Robertson-Harris that we've seen uh, making plays in the backfield, uh, winning the point of attack. I think that this is a matchup that he can really take advantage of is against Vlad Dukas and or Jordan Mills, depending on which side he lines up on. Sure. What about you, Nick? Do you have any battles up front for the Bears defense that either you're seeing a stalemate or potentially one that you feel like the Bears have a very good matchup that they can exploit? Yeah, depending if uh, their left tackle, Deion Dawkins, actually does play. If he does, he's still not there. He's not a very good player, honestly. What I saw from film just watching him, that's where a lot of the pressure is coming from. Whatever quarterback's out there. Uh, versus the Patriots, who's just consistent pressure throughout the night. So that's a guy that you can definitely take advantage of, especially for a struggling Leonard Floyd who needs to find that pass rush. This might be a good opportunity for him. And then also the center, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, Russell Bodine, Bodine, whatever it may be. He was a guy that was driven back. Yeah, we'll just making. Uh, we don't pronounce names on this podcast. We don't get paid to do that. Uh, Russell Bodine is a guy that was driven back a couple of times just with straight, you know, power force keem hicks that perfect guy uh, eddie goldman a perfect guy to just kind of get after him and also he allowed the defensive end um to uh, against the patriots allow the defensive end to loop around him on a stunt so they're susceptible to those get these offensive linemen thinking a little bit more than they should and that's just going to create success hopefully into the quarterback the bears ultimately finding their pass rush and that's what they need to do in a game like this where the opponent's offense is inept Find that pass rush so it can lead to, you know, having success later down the season. But, yeah, that offensive line doesn't really scare me, and that's why maybe the quarterbacks have just been as bad as they have been this season. Yeah, and just a disclaimer, uh, we don't get paid to pronounce names from the other teams. Uh, we do try our best to pronounce everyone's name right <laughs> here in Chicago. Um, but, no, you made a lot of good points, and I just want to build off you know, the stunts because uh, the Bears ran a lot of them against the Jets, and it worked out really well. And I understand that with – how they've been struggling uh, getting pressure, especially after the bye week. Uh, getting creative with how you attack offensive lines is a good way to kind of revitalize that. And, you know, having uh, guys get in there just a, a little bit differently. We saw that with Thunder Floyd. It was very effective when uh, his loop arounds. Uh, so for me, um, I think if the Bears can find a way, and I don't care who in the world it is, can find a way um, to just have consistent pressure with their, you know, just four guys, that's going to be huge this week. Because if you don't have to send anyone extra, like Nick, Nick you mentioned, um, you don't really need to blitz these quarterbacks. And if you do that and you you have seven, eight in coverage and you're still finding the rattle him just a little bit, speed up his process, um, there's there's going to be nowhere to throw. And this Bears defense, um, talent-wise, is much better than the offense we're going up against. So for me, um, a big key will be just generating pressure with four guys. And if you can do that, um, I think the Bears defense shouldn't have much issue whatsoever. All right, now the two backs that we have to pay attention to this week for Buffalo, uh, Shady McCoy and Chris Ivory, both of them, uh, they've been used rather evenly this season. Uh, They combine for a little over 60 yards per game, and they average uh, together about roughly 3.5 yards per carry. 
Now, the Bears are coming off a very dominant game in terms of stopping the run as uh, they shut down the Jets, and they're only allowing 83 rushing yards per game. And Akeem Hicks, I pulled it up on my phone. He had a quote that was tweeted about 10 minutes before we went live that I really liked, and it was, if you can't stop the run, they'll run on you all day. And At Cenex, we're locally owned and operated, so your community is our community. That's why your Cenex goes far beyond the store. We fuel community connections by supporting local festivals, restoring town monuments, and renovating baseball fields. Now in its fourth year, we'll have contributed more than $400,000 to Cenex communities through our hometown pride initiative. Because community connections make the places we live so special. Cenex, powered locally. It's demeaning to a defense. And it goes back to uh, Brandon. I know you always like to allude that Akeem Hicks has always said that, you know, the very first goal of this defense is to stop the run, and he makes a, Hicks makes a very good point there in terms of the importance of it. Uh, so, Nick, to you first. Do you anticipate the Bears' defense being able to replicate what they did last week uh, against the Jets, and why or why not? I think so, and a big part of that is because if the defense is going to – they have to be able to hold their blocks and not overcommit because LaShawn McCoy is a guy that east and west kind of runner will definitely make a, a move, take one cut and turn up field, just find those holes. So it's going to be up to the defense really being sound in their alignments and just containing that whatever assignment they have and making sure LaShawn McCoy does not find a hole as opposed to Chris Ivory who – you know, we'll kind of just hit the hole. I think the Bears are, they have the personnel in front of them going against, like we said, a bad Bills offensive line. They're built to stop this run in this game, just like they did against the Jets last week. So I am confident that the Bears can maybe not replicate those numbers because they did a phenomenal job stopping the Jets uh, running game, but they're definitely going to be, you know, in a good position to somewhat replicate it. Not maybe to the extent, but be in a very good position too. What about you, B? Any uh, any expectations for this Bears run defense, uh, the only defense that has yet to allow a rushing touchdown this season? I think they can get a forced fumble out of LaShawn McCoy in this one. You guys seen how he carries the ball? Yes. He holds it out there like it's a loaf of bread, and I think that the people <laughs> in France carry their bread tighter to their body than they do than LaShawn McCoy does carrying the football. So I think this is one where LaShawn McCoy, he's a guy who averages three or four forced fumbles you know a year and he doesn't have one yet so that kind of tells me that this might be a, the week where he can cough one up he hasn't had one yet this year so uh i'm looking for that uh which bear can get in there and strip it out of his hands because he holds it pretty loose and when he hits the hole he tucks it in but after that outside of that i mean he really doesn't he carries it pretty loose so let's uh let's take advantage of it brandon's looking for the law of averages to come back into reality for shady mccoy this yes week. Uh, for me, I think the Bears should be able to take care of business as well. The Bills, they are a very good team when running between the tackles. Um, our One of our writers on our site, Steve Letizia, he came out with a bite the numbers. And one that really stuck out to me was the Bills, when they're running between the tackles, they average 4.3 yards per carry. Um, but when they try to bounce it outside, uh, that number drops to less than three yards per carry. And that goes back to what we talked about with their offensive line and uh, with the pass rush allowed. Uh, the tackles are very much... Uh, the weak points where the interior is a little bit more consistent, a little bit more up to par. Um, so I think since the Bills' strength is running right down the defense's throats, which is right in the heart of the Bears' defense, I think that's asking for trouble because the interior defensive line for the Bears are really strong against the run. Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, uh, Bilal Nichols when he's in there as well, Roy Robertson-Harris. I mean, the Bears, there's a reason why they're the third best defense in terms of limiting teams on the ground. And those three guys up front, 
do a great job of, you know, they start it all. They really do. And without them, if they're getting blown off the ball, uh, we wouldn't have numbers like we do. So I think the Bears defense should and will get the job done. All right, is there anything else in your notes that you guys want to bring up, either about the Bills offense or the Bears defense? Let's go to Brandon first. Uh, we got to kind of watch out. I think it might have been desperation against the Patriots uh, while they were running some of these plays, but uh, they had LaShawn McCoy lined up in the Wildcat a couple times. Uh, it's some funky formations, so let's just make sure that uh, we're disciplined and make sure we know who's where on the field as far as defense goes. Absolutely. What about you, Nick? I was about to say that, Brandon, just watching. I think for the Bills to have any type of success on offense, they're going to have to get creative. Also in that Patriots game, they throw a flea flicker in there just to make sure that the defense is, you know, being honest at least. And like you said, LaShawn McCoy is lining up in the Wildcat. They're going to throw some creative formations at the Bears, so they have to be ready, aware of what's going on at the field, know their assignments. A, A play that was ran that, Adrian Amos did a really good job of last week against the Jets covering is that wheel route out of the backfield. LaShawn McCoy ran something like that uh, in the game against the Patriots. And actually, uh, who is it? Derek Anderson actually connected with him. So it's just these things that you don't typically see on every down that the Bears just need to be ready for because it's a two and six football team trying to find some kind of life. They're going to throw everything at you because everything hasn't worked so far. So just be aware of whatever can come at you this Sunday. Good stuff for me. Of course, real quick, just wanted to give you guys some red zone and third down numbers because those were just so much fun, Uh, especially when the Bears uh, are the best team in terms of limiting red zone trips per game, only allowing 2.1, and the Bills offense dead last in terms of reaching the red zone, only about 1.6 times per game. And on third down, the Bears are eighth in terms of conversions, allowing uh, opponents to move the sticks on 35.6% of third downs. Uh, the Bears, they do a great job of forcing three and outs. Uh, over 27% of their drives end up in three and outs. And the Bears defense also is the second best first down defense in terms of yards per allowed, 4.3. So, of course, the Bears defense winning the early downs will be another big key this week. And then the Bills third down offense, 31st in the NFL, only converting on 27.5%, uh, which is, a, of course, a big reason why they've been unable to do too much. Um, so, guys, I want to know who's going to be your X Factor for defense this week. And, Nick, you're up first. Hmm. Can, you know what? I'll go with Leonard Floyd. <laughs> well, I'll go with Leonard Floyd, even though he hasn't proven. Actually, last week against the Jets, he did have a better game. Let's see him build off of that. It's a great opportunity going against a not-so-good Bills offensive line that, like I said, the left tackle is not very good. Let's see Leonard Floyd make an impact. Uh, give Bears fans a positive moving forward. So I'm going to give it to him. Contain the edge, getting after the quarterback, and you know just forcing that internal clock just to go a little bit faster, hopefully causing some turnovers. So Leonard Floyd is my X Factor. Sweet. My X Factor, Roquan Smith. I have a feeling that we're going to see heavy doses of both the running backs for the Bills and as runners and as receivers. So I want to see how well Roquan can attack downhill, limit their impact, wrap them up, especially in the flats if he has to go in and chase them. And with Roquan's uh, you know, sideline to sideline speed, that closing speed. I want to see him limiting plays after the catch if uh, he is going to be in coverage against some of these running backs. What about you, Brandon? Who is going to be your X Factor? Well, I'll have to go with plan B because even though Nick still doesn't write down his X Factor, he's still taking someone's week in and week out. Uh, so my plan B is going to be Kyle Fuller in this one. Uh, I know the wide receivers aren't necessarily uh, all that talented. The Bears have a lot more talent in their secondary than the Bills do in their receiving core. Uh, but if we can just lock down their their top guys, A. Jones, or if since Calvin Benjamin's uh, supposedly one of the laziest receivers in Buffalo, uh, then let's just shut down the only guy that's worth uh, putting out an effort there. Uh, and that would be Zay Jones because he's still a young guy who's trying to prove something in this league. Uh, so let's try and shut him down on this one, not let him get uh, get anything established and 
uh, have Peterman make his own mistakes in this one. Great. All right, it's time to find out who has the edge here. And uh, the first up is going to be the Bills passing attack versus the Bears secondary. I gave myself that one. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's the easiest <laughs> of the week. Um, so do I even need to explain why I give the Bears the edge here? No. Okay. <laughs> Nathan Peterman. <laughs> <laughs> we got two words for you. All right, Nick, I'm going to give it to you. Bills ground game, Bears run defense. It's going to be the Bears uh, run defense just because they are going to be one-dimensional in this game. So all you got to do is stack the box and be able to contain your lanes, and the Bears will be just fine. And I think defensive front for the Bears last week did a great job of allowing the linebackers to roam free. It's going to happen again this week against the Bills. Great. And Brandon, over to you. Last but not least, I see the broom already. So <laughs> Bills pass protection, Bears pass rush. I'm going to give it to the Bears' pass rush. I think there's just a lot more talent on that side of the ball than the Bills have on their offensive line. Uh, somebody or multiple somebodies is going to have to step up in the front seven to get a sack or two because I haven't seen anybody uh, since Cleo Max had his injury problems do it lately. So I'd like to see somebody or somebody step up. Uh, and if they can't, if somebody doesn't make a, a bold statement in this one or some sort of uh, move to show that they are the next pass rusher outside of Cleo Mack, then there's some some serious issues that need to be addressed in this locker room before we get into the division games. So I give it to the Bears pass rush. Well, we'll have some bold statements coming up in a matter of moments, so don't worry, B. Oh, good. <laughs> but first, uh, we needed to go ahead around the horn and have our quick little hit on special teams. I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, I have I just want to update some fans here that the Bills put their punter on IR, which is their second punter on IR this year, which is crazy. Uh, so they re-signed their own old punter. His name's Colton Schmidt. Uh, so maybe he's a little bit rusty. I mean, obviously he was cut for a reason. Uh, so not having uh, their, down like their third option at punter this year, uh, just something to think about and keep in your mind as a fan watching this game. Uh, over to Brandon, what's going to be your little special teams tidbit? Uh, that's actually, I think, impressive that they have two punters on IR. I uh, just want to throw that one out there. But uh, going to Buffalo, uh, I think it's going to be, I don't know what the temperature is going to be, but we got to watch for Cody Parkey if he gets those chances uh, for 50-plus yard field goals. Not his strength this year. Uh, so if he's given the opportunity and the Bears are out, does Matt Nagy try and instill some confidence in him? I think that'd be something interesting to watch for. All right. And Nick, over to you. Yeah, speaking of field goals, the Patriots, that's all they had within the first three quarters of the game against the Bills on Monday night. It was 9-6 to six going into the fourth quarter. So let's see how Cody Parkey responds. If, the, if This is a good Bills defense. We've, we've established that. We've talked about it. So it might come down to Cody Parkey making these field goals, and let's see where his confidence is at. We know that he's missed. He's missed a couple times this season, and I'm feeling like right now his confidence is maybe a little shaken. This would be a game where I think he's going to get opportunities to kick field goals. Let's see if he can, you know, make them because that's going to be a big thing moving forward. We got to have a reliable field goal kicker in those close matchups where you just can't get in the end zone. Sometimes this might be a good game to demonstrate that he was worth the money that the bears paid him. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Now it's time to go through our predictions and end this show. And the first things first, we must hand out our bold predictions. So Nick, right back to you. What do you got? Uh, that's a good question. No, uh, so in this game, <laughs> uh, I'm seeing this Bills defense. I'm seeing this Bears off, seeing how everything's going to play out. The Bears are going to pitch a shutout on defense, and it's going to be it's going to involve three interceptions, three sacks, and a shutout. So the defense is going to be dominant in this one against the Bills. Okay, yeah, that's pretty bold. I'll give you that one. I like it. I mean, not, I want to say overly. It's overly bold with all the instances of Components, interceptions. Yeah, yeah. I, when you first said shutout, I was like, well. 
moon. And then, Is that that uh, bold? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All and right. To add to it because it's the Bills. Right, makes sense. What about you, B? Uh, Leonard Floyd needs to have a coming out party in this one, uh, but he doesn't do it with sacks. I think he gets an interception in this one. Very nice. Mine, I have a Bears defensive lineman scores a touchdown in this game. Wow. How? I don't know. Who? I don't know. But one of those guys <laughs> is going to find a way um, to put some points up on the board. I don't even mind if they tackle Peterman for a safety. How about that? So one way or another, okay. a Bears defensive lineman will score. All right. Who's going to be the MVB once w- the final whistle blows this week? Let's go to Brandon first. Uh. <clears throat> Excuse me, since I still can't read. Uh, I'm going to give it to Leonard Floyd since Nick took him as my X Factor. I'll go ahead and throw him in here as the MVB because I think that uh, he has the opportunity uh, to really seize seize a game to get his season on track here in Week 9, which I didn't think we'd ever say. Uh, so if he sets, sets an edge, keeps keeps McCoy between the tackles, uh, he's able to get to Nathan Peterman. Make it, he doesn't have to get to him every time. Uh, but he has to be able to disrupt his internal clock, be able to force him to step up in the pocket or around in the pocket, uh, do something to throw him off his rhythm. And I think that counts as, I don't know, we'll say good enough in this game, but he's got to do something to build his confidence. I think he does it in this one, so he's going to be my MVB. All right. For me, I'm going with another player that needs to get going, and that's going to be Jordan Howard. Uh, Matt Nagy, like I said, promised him last week that he's going to get him going, and I think this would be a great game to do so. Right before the divisional kind of stretch we have here to get him some confidence heading into November, December, those colder games, I think this is the perfect time to get it going. And with a very stout secondary and potentially without Allen Robinson again, I would love nothing more than to have Jordan Howard's first 100-yard game of the season. And Brandon, like you, I can't believe we're in Week 9, and we're saying that. It's pretty crazy. Um, but the Bills, they've had a very hard time mounting drives. So heavy doses of Howard, it's exactly what the doctor ordered. So for me, I hope we can say it's Howard when it's all said and done. And again, Coach Promise. So uh, I, I trust him on that one. And well, I brought it up about a half hour ago. The Colts rushed for over 200 yards and six yards per carry just a couple weeks back against this defense that may not have Tremaine Edmonds. So for me, uh, Jordan Howard, he's going to go over 100 yards and have two scores, which I guess it's like a bold prediction part two. But Nick, how about you? Who's going to be your MVP? It was going to be Jordan Howard until you said it, but looks like you stole my my notes that I didn't have, so that doesn't work out. Uh, I'll go back to my guy, James Daniels, uh, a guy that doesn't get enough recognition. The offensive line doesn't get enough recognition, let's be honest here. Um, but it's going to be a big part if the Bears are able to run the football, pass, be able to keep Trubisky upright, uh, keep that offense going. And I know it's more than – it's a group effort, but the individual play of one guy can definitely help in all those aspects of the game. Wow. I chose a Hoosier. You chose a Hawkeye. Brandon, you didn't choose a Boilermaker. Do we even have any? I don't think the Bears have one. Oh, what a pity. Darn. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's that's good stuff. I mean, honestly, if you can say James Daniels is the MVB after this week, that would be huge uh, for him uh, to step into that role and do exactly what he needs to do in order to allow that to happen. I don't think we've ever had a single lineman be the MVB unless it was like a tackle going up against a premier edge rusher and held him to like zero sacks. We would have to go back and uh, through our archives and check that out. But it's time to hand out some game predictions. And real quick at the standings, I'm in last at four and four, and I'm proud of it. Nick and Brandon are five <laughs> and three because they chose against the Bears against New England. Uh, so, Brandon, over to you first. What's going to be your prediction? Uh, I have the Bears winning this one. I give the Bills uh, defense a lot more credit than I think some people are willing to give it. I have the Bears winning 18 to 10. 18-10, Brandon. What about you, Nick? I'll go 20-0, to zero Bears. Nice. I'm gonna- 
Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Split the difference here, and I have 17 to 7. I don't know if I even split any difference, but it feels like I did. Uh, <laughs> That's so pretty I've, close. Yeah, so I have the Bears winning here 17 to 7. Uh, like Brandon said, this is a very good defense. Just saw what they did last week to New England. Um, but, but of course, uh, just like the rest of this team, they are inconsistent. So you never know exactly who's going to show up this week. But we'll see. And I think, of course, uh, the Bills, they perhaps they find the end zone. Uh, the reason why I have seven real quick is they had five two weeks ago. They scored six against New England. So it just makes sense that they will find a way to get seven this week against the Bears. All right, and the last thing we need to do, guys, I don't know, what's your confidence meter and your final thought heading into this Week 9 matchup? And let's go to Brandon. Uh, confidence meter here, let's see. I give it an 8.5. I think that's a, a fair place to be, especially after uh, the win last week. Uh, I'll say in defying fashion, I didn't get to watch the game, caught the highlights, but everything uh, looked positive. I uh, heard a lot of good things about Jordan Howard, so I think a lot of things are going uh, in the right direction for the Bears here. And all the more reason to pick him in this one, especially against the struggling Bills offense. As long as the defense shows up, uh, the offense will find a way to score points. Matt Nagy does a pretty good job of making sure that's going to happen. So I'm not worried in this one. I give it an eight and a half. Eight and a half for B. Uh, Nick, I'm I'm assuming you're going to be over the top. I, this is a 10. There's no <laughs> way in hell the Bears are going to lose to the Buffalo Bills. I it, it can't happen because if this is a true playoff team, a team that wants to play the meaningful football later in the season, they can't lose this game. There's That offense for the Buffalo Bills shouldn't be able to do anything against this Bears defense, and the Bears defense should be able to just take care uh, just should be able to take care of business. There's no way the Bears lose this game. So it's a 10 on the confidence meter. Obviously, every week is a challenge in the NFL, but this is a game you absolutely have to win. So I give it a 10. All right, for me, I'm giving it a 9.5, and the reason why I didn't give it a 10 is because Coach Nagy said that no one in the building is going to overlook the Buffalo Bills, so neither will I. I won't give it a full 10, but I am pretty darn confident um, heading into this game because you know even though they beat Minnesota, that was with a different quarterback, uh, they hung in there rather well against the Patriots, um, but I think the Bears understand the importance of not having another letdown. A little bit like Arizona, but more along the lines of what we saw in Miami. So I think the Bears find a way to take care of business in the game in which they should and must win, uh, improve themselves, of course, to two games over 500, uh, keep that lead in the north, heading into two straight, uh, three straight divisional games. It's so crazy. Three divisional games in 11 days. So for me, um, I'm very confident heading into this matchup for all the reasons we discussed. I mean, obviously, uh, the big, biggest struggle is going to be how this Bears offense can fare against this Buffalo Bills defense. But on the flip side, if the Bears defense uh, – doesn't show up and the Bills offense finds a way to get going, which they haven't really all season, then we might have some bigger issues down the stretch. All righty. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Bears Brothers podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this week's game preview and make sure to, you know, leave your predictions for this game, your X factors, your MVB, uh, comment that below, tweet it to us, however you want to reach out. I love to know exactly what you're thinking heading into each and every game. Now, up next, Will Ingles and myself, we're going to combine our Matchups and Keys podcast because, well, our next episode is episode 300, and I wanted to be on it. I'm not going to lie. So I told him we're going to combine our shows. 
But until next time, until then, um, hope you enjoyed 299, and I'll talk to you in episode 300. Bear down, Chicago. Bear down.